Hi, welcome back. My name is Justin Little, host of the Mental Wealth Podcast, now available on Apple, Spotify, and Google, and heard in 25 plus countries. Thank you so much for listening today. To reach out to us on Instagram, please follow us at the mental underscore wealth podcast. For collaboration, sponsorships, and partnerships, please email us at contacttmwp at gmail.com. As always, please take the time to invest into your mental wealth and well-being. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Justin Little, and this is the Mental Wealth Podcast. Everybody's looking for a savior, right? Cool. Yeah, someone to save me, save me. Lately, I've been feeling crazy, crazy. All these people trying to change me, change me. When I walk this road, I feel so alone Someone save me, save me My days be looking hazy, hazy And this feeling, no, it ain't me, ain't me And I want to be strong, but I'm still alone They won't ever understand why I feel this way Trying to make another band while I fade away Chip wrecked up on the sand, I'm a castaway If I love me until these lights go out Hard to feel like I'm the man on those rainy days Feel like Kendrick cause I struggle in my DNA I don't wanna see the moon, I just want my space Pull away from everyone I know Oh, who's this? This is Justin from Virginia Beach, Virginia You sound like you do the quiet storm Like you come on after midnight and you introduce slow songs, Justin yeah, I appreciate it, Charlotte. I was actually calling this to tell you, bro, I really, really appreciate it. Sunday, I got a chance to meet you and Shanti Dodge, and I, I met Michelle Williams, got a chance to ask her a question. I'm a podcaster. I told you about my podcast. Yeah, um, I remember. I, I came in really, like, I think I'm a network. I'm going to meet some great people, bro, but it, it saved my life, man. It was like I was hearing things from Jason and Jay that I had never heard before, right? And I was like, I'm just here to network, but but like I was like, y'all talking to me directly, you know? When 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 Jason said we should have defined a man, right? Because the minute we we define ourselves, we limit ourselves. Like that's right. That hit me right in the chest, man. And and when you had your moment when he poured into you, and and you gave way to tears, and those men wrapped their arms around you, it was the most beautiful thing I ever seen, man. Because you know, I never saw my dad cry. I never saw a black man cry, right? But me sitting here, 29 years old. Seeing that, man, like, it, it really saved my life because sometimes we get so caught up in helping other people, we forget to help ourselves. And I, and, and when I was there, I realized that all I, although I came as a podcaster, man, I left as a student, man. So I just wanted to thank you for doing that. I drove all the way up from Virginia seven hours. Thank you, brother. Yeah, because, I mean, who can miss a free event, man? You did that and you put it on. It was so helpful. And I got so many relationships out of it, man. But most importantly, I got my life, man. I'm just so happy to have had a chance to be there and um, and to have met you too, man. I just wanted to personally thank you for that because I needed it. Thank that's you, King. I mean, that's what it was for, man. The Mental Wealth Expo. It was a day of Thanks mental health and healing education, man. So I'm glad you feel that way. We That's definitely going to be a, a annual event for sure, for sure. We're definitely doing it again next year. Word. Maybe twice. Get it off your chest. How many men put their arms around you, bro? Uh, four. My man Ryan Mundy, um, uh, Jay Barnett, and uh, Jason Wilson and Maxwell. Mm. Because you know what it was, man. You know, Jason was just telling me how proud he was of me, man, and just you know, you know how you know watching my evolution and things like that. And you know, I I realized I never I didn't get that when I was younger. Mm. You know what I mean? I didn't get uh 
my, my dad telling me he was he was proud of me but too much you, and that, that's what right but, but it's, it is very important you know we have to pour into each other men need a, a affirmation from from other men we all need affirmation i don't know why we can lie like right we now? don't what I, but not affirmation because of what we have you know our clothes or jewelry or cars mm -hmm. affirmation for who we are mm -hmm. as people that means that means a lot i appreciate you brother well thank you i appreciate you, you. no i don't want to hug from you i'm fine Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, hit us now. It's The Breakfast Club. Hello, who's this? Well, that's the full clip, guys, of the conversation. If you follow me on social media, I teased uh, I teased the other day, like about a minute of it on my Instagram story on both my personal and my professional page. And um, that was a great moment for me, man. It, it really was. Um, disclaimer at the top. Uh this episode won't be ridiculously long, but it will be longer than the usual um, just because there's so much information to share with you guys. And um, I want to make sure I do my due diligence and I give you guys some really great content, particularly since, you know, I was off last week. And um, hopefully I'm coming in loud and clear. Um, we've done some reinvesting in our technology. So I'm sitting here with a brand new microphone brand new headphones, brand new laptop that I invested in today. And I'm um, really excited about the quality. It sounds really amazing so far from my perspective. Hope that that same uh, intensity reaches you guys as well, too. As we as we grow this podcast, we have to level up, right? But um, back to the New York trip. As you guys know, I took last week off because I went to the Mental Wealth Expo held in Times Square, New York City, drove up from Virginia where I live. Got there Saturday, kind of spent the day in the city, hitting some some of my favorite places. You know, I haven't been to New York in a few years. You know, I had looked at my memories and I was actually there three years to the day. Um, and I also had been there almost two years as well in December of 2019, well before the pandemic. If anyone knows me, you know, New York is one of my favorite places to be, especially in the fall. The fall smells of the food, the weather, it's just me. Right. Don't want to live there, but it's just so nice to visit. So nice to be there and get that energy and um, to really just go and, and visit. And I was go there not just for leisure this time for actual purpose. So hung out on Saturday. Sunday was the event. Eleven to four at the New York Marriott Marquis. Checked in and um, it was just amazing. I was one of the first people there. Got a chance to meet a lot of the speakers before they got a chance to speak. And I got a chance to meet Charlemagne himself the creator of this event, the creator of the Mental Wealth Alliance, uh, shared information with him, going to contact him in the future and working on some things that are yet to come. And obviously, as you heard from the clip, he remembered me. So that's great because there was a lot of people there trying to get his attention. Obviously, him being the most famous person in the room, um, along with Michelle Williams, Angela Rye, Jay Barnett, Shanti Das, people with a lot, a lot of resources and clout. But um, he remembered me. So that was awesome. And so got a chance to share a moment with him which was brilliant, got a chance to, Michelle Williams did a live taping of her podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams. And I got a chance to answer a question, ask a question for her, and she really appreciated it. Later on that day, I got a picture with her as well and a few other people. So it, it was really, you know, a great event. But like I said in the clip, um, that clip came from, I think, Tuesday or Wednesday. I got a chance to call into the Breakfast Club and personally thank Charlemagne for the event. But I really did go there like as a podcast, like I was like, look, I'm gonna meet some people, shake some hands. We're going to grow this thing even bigger. Maybe we'll get a, a deal signed. Like we got a lot of, you know, calls and business meetings. You know, let's let's get some sponsorships. Let's get some things locked in. Let's grow it and partner. 
And I'll be honest, everything I set my mind out to do, I did. I was there shaking hands, emails, business cards, phone numbers, and there's some really exciting things to come. There's one fellow who I won't mention his name yet because he's going to be an upcoming episode, but we had already connected on Instagram with what he was doing in the mental health space. We had been talking about doing an episode. We just hadn't found the time. We end up being in the same breakout session together. He says, hey, my name is such and such. I look back at him. I'm like, wait a minute. I know you. And we talked and we're going to do an episode of the podcast very soon. And it looks like I'm going to be invited out to his area potentially to, to get a chance to speak and share my story at conferences and things. So it was perfect. Like it, things couldn't go wrong. It was a perfect trip. Um, mentally, it was a great reset because I, I love being on the road. I love driving. I love hearing the sounds. I love just kind of being to myself and myself and my music and um, checked out this new artist named Kashma. She's amazing. She has an album called Purple Lights. And uh, yeah, it was it was phenomenal. And I was listening to that all all night all day um and so it was great but what i said in the clip is true though too though because it really saved my life because i had really you know been so convinced that i was okay i maybe had been lying to myself and convincing myself that i was okay right staying busy with the podcast staying busy with the nine to five staying busy with the marriage staying busy with friends family traveling you know you guys know i took time off in august this took you know i i thought i was good but then i was sitting there and there were some amazing things said right i'm going to talk about a few of those things today some of these clips have been surfacing around the point that i referred to with you know charlemagne breaking down a little bit he started to cry because he was getting love and affirmation from another man that he had never really heard before from a father figure that he needed as a man, but he never got. And he gave way to tears and the other men on the stage, they wrapped their arms around him. It was so beautiful. Maybe the most beautiful thing I've ever seen, because, again, I never saw that growing up. I never saw my dad cry. I never saw him hurt. I'm sure he was, but I never saw it physically or, you know, with my own eyes. And I thought it was powerful to see. And... um at some point, by the way, I recorded two bonus episodes of the podcast, more of in like on a journalistic type style. Um, I recorded one last Tuesday and I recorded one Sunday. And at some point later in the year or the next year, I don't know when those will be released, but they're hidden. Golden episodes of the podcast. I think one of them is going to be called 1 p.m. in Virginia Beach and one of them is going to be called 7 p.m. in New York. And uh, it's going to be it's really vulnerable. Uh, I came, I went home after that event and it hit me. I was in the hotel and I just was, I was a mess because it really, I believe it saved my life because sometimes you don't know how close you are to the edge until you're, you're teetering, teetering, tottering over the edge, literally dangling. And I felt like I was like hanging off the edge and someone reached out and grabbed my hand and pulled me back up. No exaggeration. Um, I'm more calm about it right now, less emotional. But in that moment, it was very emotional because I heard things that I needed to hear uh, more than ever. So, for example, one of the speakers uh, at this event, they talked about the importance of of to stop fearing your fears. Like a lot of times we run from what hurts us. We fear what we fear. But in order to heal, we have to face our fears. We have to face what scares us, right? Because if you never face what scares you, you're going to always be scared. If you never run into the fire, you're never going to know what it feels like. See, we have to run into the fire and run out 
and, and feel that little bit of burn in order for us to, to face it and to not be afraid anymore, right? And, you know, they helped me appreciate, you know, once I heal myself, then I'm in the best position to heal others. That there's more healing that I need to do for myself that I maybe have been neglecting. And I've been alluding to it a lot in my podcast episodes lately where, you know, just finding finding moments where like, hey, you know, I need to take time for myself and that's okay. I need to invest in my own well-being and that's okay. That's okay. You know, I saw a quote that um, talked about self-care. It said, you know, in, if you don't make time for your wellness, you will be forced to make time for your illness. If you don't make time for your wellness, you will be forced to make time for your illness. So I had to ask myself, am I trying to get better? Like, what am I doing actively to make to, to get to that wellness? Because we don't want to just stay in the mental illness, right? We want to, like, we may have to deal with that for our lives, but I want to start making that bridge into mental wellness and well-being. I don't want to be a statistic. Did you know that 84 men a week take their own life on average? That 75% of all suicides are male. Men are less likely to get help. And, and, and it's higher amongst black men. And a lot of this event was a lot of beautiful black men speaking in an audience and black women supporting us because in the black culture, we were raised to hide our mental illness. We've talked about this before. We mask ourselves. We're, we have to be strong. But it was interesting when it comes to manhood. One of the speakers, Mr. Jason Wilson, this is a viral clip going around that was extremely powerful. They asked him, he says, hey, Mr. Wilson, he says, look, how would you define a man? What should a man be defined as? You know what he says? He says, look, <laughs> nothing. He says, the minute we define ourselves is the minute we, we begin to limit ourselves. When I tell you or allow you to tell me what a man should be, I've just limited myself to what you define me as. A man doesn't have to be just one thing. A man doesn't have to be what society tells it to be. Society says men don't be emotional. You can be emotional and you should have a partner that can support you in those emotions. He said, he says, look, you know, I went through marriage issues. He says, look, my wife ain't nothing that no other woman could tell me that my wife don't tell me. Everything I need to hear, my wife tells me. So he has a partnership with his beautiful wife that she's able to uplift him, soothe him, nurture him. And he's able to be the man that he needs to be for himself, his children, his family, not what the world or society tries to paint him to be. I thought that was powerful. I thought it was I thought it was powerful because. So often. We're limiting ourselves. To other definitions, we're limiting ourselves to how people paint us to be. We limit ourselves to everything else around us, but we don't, we don't decide for ourselves what our standards are, what we want. We let everyone else do it. We're living up, we're living our lives for other people. It hit me in the chest. I honestly, I gotta tell you, I was sitting in the audience like, man, this guy's talking to me. He must know my story. And I got a chance to talk with him afterward and hopefully we get a chance to work together. We've, we've kind of connected, but it was, it was extremely powerful. A few other things I want to share. Again, I'm not going to share every little thing because a lot of what, I, what I've shared um, in a deeper dive is in that hidden episode. So look forward to that one day when it drops. But Shanti Das, who created the movement Silence to Shame re regarding suicide awareness, she has a beautiful story. She left 
a half a million dollar paying job in the music industry as a vice president of a major music label because she was stressed out and depressed and couldn't do it. She said she would sleep. She would tell her assistant, look, don't wake me. I'm sleeping on my couch during the day because she just was so sad. She left that job. She says you have to forgive yourself and free yourself from your trauma. See, a lot of times we focus on forgiving others for how they hurt us. But we need to forgive ourselves, too, from how we were hurt. We have to let it go and for, we have to face it. We can't run from it. But once we face it, we have to forgive it. So what happened to me as a child? What happened to me as a teenager? What happened to me as a young adult? Those things that triggered me, those things that set me on the path that I am today. I have to intentionally heal from those things. I have to forgive myself. I have to free myself. She said that my trauma was a mess, but my breakthrough, my experience is a blessing. So be thankful for the experience because you surviving, as you'll see later in this episode, we speak to someone who survived. Surviving is something you got to stop for a moment and breathe. If you're listening to this right now, you're here. You're alive. You've made it through whatever you're feeling today, no matter how bad yesterday is was how bad today is or how how bad tomorrow will be you're here in this moment so at this point you've won the battle so take a second and pat yourself on the back and be happy for your breakthrough for your experience it's a blessing the trauma was a mess but the triumph the breakthrough the blessing It's something to be proud of. And then Jay Barnett, who I have a few pictures with, and hopefully soon he'll be on a future episode of the podcast. He said a few things that uh, that um, really stuck with me. He said a few things. Unconditional acceptance. Accepting the good, the bad, and the ugly about yourself. He says, everywhere you go, you take your stuff with you, meaning that trauma, that stuff. So we can try to run from it. We can try to run from relationship to relationship. We can try to run from city to city. We can try to run from job to job. But that trauma, until we face that trauma, everything that we deal with is going right with us. Everything that we're feeling is going right with us. You just pick it up and packing it and taking it somewhere else. Right. It's like you get on an airplane, you pack your bag, you put it through the baggage. It goes through all these different little processes. But at the end of the day and they open your bag up, they twist and turn it. They make sure, you know, ain't nothing crazy in there to put on your plane and make it safe. But when you get off the plane, I land in Paris, I land in London, California, wherever. That bag is still there with me, hopefully. Right. <laughs> but you get the point. He talked about he says you can't create a safe space until you're safe with yourself. And you're only as sane as your secrets. You can't heal what you're not willing to reveal. So like, you know, a lot of us champion therapy. We go into therapy and say, well, I'm going to go to therapy. What you get there and you sit down with your therapist and you don't talk about nothing. You don't reveal anything. You don't you don't go back and talk about the trauma. My last guest on the last episode of the podcast before the week off, Miss Helen Levine, she talked about time travel therapy in the sense of, hey, let's sit down, let's talk and let's face what was it? What age was it? What trauma happened that triggers you? We need to face that now. And then once we face it, we can tackle it and start to deal with it and start to heal. But you cannot heal what you're not willing to reveal. If you pretend like it didn't happen, if you're still in denial, you're never going to get the healing you need. And I realized in that moment, one of the things I got up and I said to Jay, 
because uh, Michelle Williams was interviewing him for her live podcast. I said, look, Jay, before I asked Michelle the question, I said, Jay, you said you're only as sane as your secrets. And I felt like you were talking to me because uh, I've been keeping a lot of secrets my whole life. There's things that I never told my mom, my dad that I went through that I felt. There's things I didn't share with my partners, my friends, my workmates. Like I've always been really selective and methodical about what I want to share. But what pains me the most, what troubles me the most, is what's still inside me. This waiting to gnaw its way out. And I realized in order for me to heal fully, I gotta start, I gotta start bawling that pain, that icicle. I gotta start releasing some of that. I got to let it go. I got to forgive myself. Right. And again, I'm sitting here. You know, there was part of me. I went to New York. I'll be honest. I was like. I I don't know if I want to come back. See, the mind and we won't go into detail because we don't want to trigger anyone. But anyone who's been suicidal, anyone who's had that ideology before, you know, at any given moment, something could push you to that edge. You could be having a great day, great week. There could be something in just a flip of a switch. And now all of a sudden you're like. It'd just be so much better if I wasn't here. I could just be gone like that. You're not thinking through your family, your friends, how it would affect people. You're not, you're one track minded. Like, I just don't want to be, I don't want to feel this pain anymore. I don't want to feel this weight on my shoulder. I got all this emotion in me and I just got to let it out. We're not thinking about all the people that love us and care about us in that moment. We're thinking selfishly. But it's part of me. I'm in New York City. I'm looking around, looking up, down. I'm like, Maybe these are my last days. But I walked into that seminar, compartmentalizing my trauma, compartmentalizing my severe depression. And I walked in there and I was saved. The last thing I'll share with you guys before we keep going further here with the podcast, wanted to make sure I shared you guys some really great gems. He says that, Growing up, Jason Wilson, again, he said that growing up, they told you, you got to be a thug, thug it out, right? He said, you know what a thug is? A thug is a traumatized human unable to grieve. A traumatized human unable to grieve. Let me tell you something, that boy good. <laughs> we we sat there, I looked at my neighbor next to me, looked at my neighbor to the right, and we looked at each other, we fell out. It was so poignant, it was so real. He went further, he says, he says you need to involve Nurture, become any and everything you have to be in the moment. Break free from the misconstrued masculinity ideas, emotional incarceration, and run towards the places that hurt you the most. They ended it by saying, oh, one other thing I do have to share. Oh, my goodness, I have to share this. He told a story because his dad wasn't involved in his life from like the age of two. And he has now, I think, at least one son. His son's probably, you know, late teens. His son asked him recently, he says, hey, dad, you know, you didn't really have a good father figure in your life. So how was it that you were such a good dad to us? Right. What what, what was it that made you such a good father? He says, because you didn't really, you know, have a good role model. And he said, he said, you know what, son? I gave you what I longed for. I gave you what I longed for. I gave you what I didn't get. What I needed, I made sure that I closed that cycle and I gave to you. And while I didn't have any, my dad was a great dad, is a great dad. I related in the aspect of there were some things in my life as a, as a, as a child 
in general that I needed from friends, family, parents, overall, things that maybe as a special type of child dealing with being overweight, dealing with being bullied, dealing with, you know, being um, a special type of kid. There were some things I needed that I didn't get. And I don't sit here and blame anyone. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm living the best life I can now, right? I try to be happy and enjoy the moments. But I realized that some of those things that I lacked then have shown up now in my life and have affected my relationships, my friendships, my jobs, my outlook, how I think, how I carry myself because of some of the things that I didn't get as a kid. And I think that it's important to recognize those things, address them head on. I'll leave you with this thought. There's so many different things I could share. It was just brilliant. It was free. Um, you are the moment you choose to be. You are the moment you choose to be. And listen, if you're listening to this podcast and I met you there, it's so nice to meet you. So glad to connect. Please reach out to me on Instagram. Make sure we're following each other. Because after I got up there and announced that I was a podcaster, so many people came up to me afterward um, in the break session. Hey, what's your podcast? Let me find out. Let me look you up. Let's partner. Let's work. And it was beautiful. And I'm in the midst of working on a lot of exciting things to come. But again, that's what I thought I was there for. And I'm happy for those moments. I really am. But I'm happier that I feel like coming back, that I'm more better and more sure of myself and what I want and what I need in this life. And I'm going to do everything within my power to get what I feel like I deserve, to get what I feel like I need in this life and to to continue to monitor my mental health, right? Listen, speak up, speak out. Um, take care of yourselves, guys. I mean, this is really uh, this 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 system, this world that we're living in is is getting really crazy, and um, we really need to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves. Before I read you guys the bio of my guest today, I want to give you guys a little acronym that I found to be helpful. Not an acronym, rather, this is a. Uh, This is an affirmation. So we'll give you an affirmation early. This is from Chopra. He says, may you always feel protected. May you always feel loved. May you always know your worth. May you always live with ease. May you always feel protected. May you always feel loved. May you always know your worth. May you always live with ease. So keep that in mind, guys. This weekend, past weekend, I felt loved. I felt encouraged. I felt built up. And, uh, I'm ready. I'm ready for the next step. I'm ready for the next step in my life. I couldn't be more excited. So guys, listen, uh, my friend, Raksha Host, she's a certified life and leadership coach, film actor. She's a suicide survivor. She's overcome depression, addiction, and suicide. She changed her mindset from a limiting to an empowering one. It's the best thing she's ever done. Want positive change in your life? I support you in making that shift, crafting a plan and taking the steps to change your life for the better. Positive changes start with a decision. So she focuses on confidence building, transformation, leadership. She identifies roadblocks that stop you from achieving your full potential, set practical and achievable goals, develop new skills, creates a plan to move you forward in a life of fulfillment. 
and a little bit more about her and you're going to learn more about her story. She is certified in positive psychology. She's also certified in neuro linguistic programming. And from right from her website, she says, getting your dream job, creating a theater show, finding a partner, setting up a business, traveling the world, speaking in public, leading a high performing team or something else. Most of the time, what is stopping you isn't a lack of time, money or network. What's getting in the way is you. Your mindset gets in the way of what you want. You procrastinate and put off what is really important to you. You battle with fears and insecurities. Wait until you have more confidence and focus and sometimes completely abort the mission. The result? Regret and happiness. What a shame. My life revolves, evolves excuse me, around personal development, mindset change, and transformation. I have a history with depression, addiction, and suicide and have to reinvent myself to reach my full potential one step at a time. Since then, I have studied and applied behavioral transformation for 10 plus years. As a former project manager, I know the ins and outs of how to set goals, craft a plan, and successfully achieve them. As an actor, I have tons of experience with confidence building and human behavior. And as a qualified life and personal leadership coach, the mind is no mystery to me. With all these skills, I can now support others to improve their personal and professional life with improved confidence. You're never going to start something if you wait until you're ready. So why not start now? Listen, I'm so happy to present my conversation with my great friend, Ms. Raksha Host. All right. This is DJ Jazzy J or Justin Little from the Mental Wealth Podcast back with another interesting person to talk to. I have Ms. Raksha Host. Did I say it right? You said it perfectly. Oh, my goodness. Yes. That, that'll probably be the only time that I say it perfectly. That's a fair warning. But um, beautiful name. Like, where? let's start there. Where does your name come from? Where? 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 Where's the origin of that beautiful name of yours? It is an Indian name, and it means protector. My uh, my dad's family is, uh, is, is from India. And I myself, I grew up in Suriname, which is, I think, the smallest country in South America. It's a very small country with only half a million people living there and it's above brazil and between guyana and french guyana um oh wow yeah how close to brazil but i know brazil is like the big country then right it's right it's right on top of brazil like yeah but to be honest i traveled through south america nobody on the continent knows it <laughs> um because <laughs> um, um suriname i would say Suriname. Um, used to be colonized by the Dutch and um, is independent since 1975. So uh, the main language is still Dutch, which is really strange. It's the only other um, country where they speak Dutch um, in the world than the Netherlands. That's amazing. And how many languages do you speak, if I could ask? I speak about five. Yeah. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> That's that's amazing. I, I'm barely learning one and that's English. <laughs> that's awesome. And then right now, I know you live in the UK. So we're speaking You're You are about five hours ahead of me currently. So just kind of like briefly, you know, how long have you been in the UK? What brought you to the UK? Yeah. So um, 2018, October 2018. So almost three years ago. Um, and I decided to quit my job as a project manager. Um, I was doing that in Amsterdam and um, focus full time on my acting career. And I thought there's no better place to do that than in London. So that's why I decided to come here, pack my bags, quit my job, pack my bags. I didn't have a place to stay here, but I thought I'm just going to go for it. So I left 
and eventually, yeah, set everything up here, network, agent. So yeah, pretty, pretty happy with that. I mean, we'll talk about following your dreams, right? Like you know, mm-hmm. going, not even knowing where you're going to live, but just like, hey, here's where I want to go. Here's where I want to follow my dreams too. I think a lot of us uh, don't always have that bravery or that courage to take a risk like that, but I'm glad that you did. And so, and we'll definitely get to your acting. I know that's a big part of your life, but where I want to kind of start with you is like, just take us back to your childhood. What was it like growing up, you know, with your, you know, diverse family, your lifestyle, like what were some of the things that you went through as a young girl into your, you know, teenage years and then adulthood? Mm, Yeah. So even though I was born in Suriname, um, in 1982, my grandpa was murdered in the country due to uh, political reasons. And he was one of 15 people who uh, was killed by this dictator. Um, So we had to move countries. My mom took me and my sister to the Netherlands. Um, But we basically had nothing anymore. So she had to start everything, set everything up again. We didn't have anywhere to live. We didn't have any money. Um, So that was a pretty tough time. So, but, you know, I think my sister and I, we always, we, we didn't, we knew we were, we were poor. But we also knew at the same time that my mom was doing everything she could. Um, and then growing up, I guess also, you know, growing up poor, it's, there, there's not a lot of opportunities. Although it's more, you don't see a lot of opportunities. Um, I never thought, now being an actor, I never, never even considered being an actor. Uh, never considered being an athlete or anything like that. Um, and growing up, um, I think with a history like this, it has it, it has impact. And my grandpa was the father of my mother, so that had a huge amount of impact on her. Um, and then also on us. So I can basically say I didn't have a happy upbringing. There was a lot of trauma in the family um, and a lot of anger and a lot of sadness. So me and my sister didn't have a happy um, upbringing. And then from there, I didn't know anything else. So I only knew that I wasn't a very happy child. And I, I guess I took that to my uh, teenage years um, and then also partly into adulthood. Yeah. So and if you said your grandfather being murdered again, you know, um, sympathies and you know, empathy and love to you for that loss. I know that was many years ago, but still obviously something um, that, you know, going through grief as human beings at a young age. How old were you when he passed? I wasn't I wasn't born yet. Um, oh, you weren't even born. Oh, wow. oh no, okay. no, I wasn't born. Um, but then again, it's still, you know, the the dictator we're talking about, he still hasn't been, um, you know, there's a lawsuit, but he still hasn't faced any repercussions. So he's still walking free. He's still out there. So, um you know, all the families of the victims, we're still grieving, basically. It doesn't stop. Even after 30 years, it, it doesn't stop. Yeah, because you haven't received any closure, you know, because there hasn't really been justice there. And and for you, even though it happened before you were alive, obviously you grew up and where I'm no doubt told stories about him and 
um, you know, learn so much about him and, and what had happened and, you know, not having a, a grandparent in your life. You know, I, I kind of relate to that similarly because um, I was three and then four when both of my grandfather grandfathers passed. I was alive, but I didn't remember much about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, it was my mother's father and then my dad's father in 96. And so I was really young and you know, grandparents play a significant role in a, in, a, in in your 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 life if you have them in your life, and um, definitely learning about them, missing them, and things of that nature affects you and dealing with grief at a young age. And so, I can certainly see you mentioned that that came out and affected you in some ways and, and caused some anger and, and some issues. Um, how how would you say your overall mental health was like as a teenage girl into your adulthood? Like, where were you at mentally? What were some of the things that you know, or did you even know? what what mental health was at that age no i didn't nobody really spoke about it at least not in my environment nobody spoke about mental health or personal development or it was just yeah nobody spoke about it so i just knew that i was living in a very unhappy home and then i try to stay away from home as much as possible so i i i I kind of like ended up on the streets and um, hang with the wrong people, um, uh, with the wrong guys as well. Um, got a little bit into trouble. So that wasn't all a good scenario. I, I guess I was just searching for something. I didn't know what I was searching for, but I knew that I wasn't here. And then um, I, I, because of all the chaos, I couldn't finish high school. There was too much going on um, in my environment, in my head. So I couldn't focus and I ended up not getting my high school diploma, which made me even more, you know, insecure. It made me feel like a failure, uh, which I wasn't, but it was just stuck in my head. Um, so I left you know, home, um, 17, 18, had no high school diploma, didn't have a place to live. Um, so I just started working in hospitality and I think I had like three jobs at the same time to get by. And still that feeling of everyone has a life except for me and I don't have any future prospects. What am I going to do with my life? I felt so, so, so insecure. Um, and, you know, working three jobs at the same time, still not being able to pay for my rent and everything, and also hanging with the wrong people. At the time, I had a boyfriend who, um, you know, there was a lot of, uh, um, like, physical abuse. So my head was all over the place. My body was tired. I just I couldn't take I just couldn't take it every, anymore. And I thought, if this is what my life is going to be like, then I might just, it might be better if I'm not here. Um, so when I was 21 years old, I attempted suicide. And then um, I ended up in hospital. Um, so yeah, that was kind of my my attempt to, to cure myself by just stepping out, wanting to step out of life. Wow. Um... Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. A, a few different thoughts here. First of all, just so glad that that you didn't succeed, right? That it was just an attempt, but that you survived and that you're here uh, to tell your story because, you know, we, we both know that there's so much power in a testimony like that. And people listening right now 
have have probably known someone who's attempted suicide or known someone that maybe uh, was able to fulfill that and uh, or maybe them themselves. And I think that there's so much power in us and healing and us admitting that. So just so glad that you're still here. And then um, going back to, you know, you mentioned um, being in high school and, and dropping out and that, how that affected you. Did You also mentioned that you know, you weren't really sure about mental health. Did, what, what, at any point in your school, like in studies at all, like did they talk about mental health at all? Like did they talk about what depression, anxiety or suicidal ideology was? Like we're talking about, you know, at some point before you you know moved out and graduated at any point, did you ever like hear anything like that in school? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. No, no. And, and I wonder, sometimes I wonder like, did people not see that I was slipping? Did, did people not notice? Um, or maybe they didn't, but if they did, how, how did that come across? And I sometimes really, really wonder, uh, but nothing was discussed. And I think those kind of things and those kind of skills, those life skills, oh, those are so important. Also dealing with you know, em- emotional intelligence, also dealing, how do you deal with your emotions? Um, I was never taught how to deal with my emotions. I was never taught how to communicate about things. So, you know, all if I had, if I knew how to talk about this stuff, my feelings and what was going on, what I, even if I wasn't really sure what was going on, um, it was able to express myself, then that would, that would have definitely changed something in my life. Definitely, definitely. But um, no, there was nothing there. Yeah, you know, I, I I think that's so profound because one of my missions with this platform is to create not just awareness, but action. And I've partnered with a few people. Um, I did an interview back in August with my friend uh, Tamu Lewis, who is the sister of actor Lee Thompson Young. I'm not sure. I know you're an actor. You may have heard of him, but um, he, you know, uh, uh, took his own life back in August of 2013. To date, that was the most impactful episode for me because Um, You know, when he died, he was the same age that I am now. It's a lot of parallels and I've been there, too. Nevertheless, the foundation that him, that his mother and his sister started in his name, Lee Thompson Young Foundation, focuses on the mental health education at the grade school level, at the middle school level, at the high school level. Right. Because, you know, when me and you were both in school. There, there wasn't that education. There were guidance counselors available, but typically their job was to like guide you as far as like course selection. And, you know, if you acted up in class, they might send you to the guidance counselor, but there wasn't like anything for like mental health. There was a nurse office. If I got sick, if I, you know, scratched the knee, if I had a cough and I wanted to go home early, I can go to the nurse, but there wasn't any mental health support. And I, I feel like, you know, when we talk about the stigma, of mental health and um, the the issues of bringing it up today, they put mental health in quotations, right, in news articles. I think it starts at the education level, at the youth, because you know we teach them all these things that you probably never use again in your life: calculus, and algebraic expressions. Unless you're going to be an accountant and do a bunch of forensic, you know, scientist work, you're probably never going to see that stuff again. But things that could really benefit us like financial literacy or even obviously mental health get, you know, 
you know, um, swept underneath the rug to never be talked about again. And then young adults become adults and then don't even know what they're dealing with. So even if you were brave enough to open up to someone and say, hey, here's what I'm feeling, you might not even know what you're feeling mm-hmm. because you never were taught what it was. Right. So give, just give me some of your thoughts on that. Like going forward, what, what would you like to see, you know, when it comes to the mental health space, you know, at that level? Like, you know, what are your thoughts surrounding education and preparing the youth for them to understand, you know, what they're going through, what they're feeling. Yeah, that's definitely something that I have in mind as well. It's it's yeah, it's interesting because mental health, personal development. I speak a lot about personal development, but I actually mean the same things um, dealing with emotions, about awareness, about even expressing yourself, uh, communication, and showing that this is something that we can talk about. Um, and it's not something to be ashamed of or um, just the understanding of yourself. How do you work? Even what are, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? What are um, it's so, so, so important. Um, and I definitely want to see this in schools. Um, and I noticed now that also the next generation, they're struggling with it. And I can see it. I mean, like the, when it comes to a suicide rate amongst teens, especially teenage girls, you know, that's it's 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 higher than ever. Um, so it is upon us, this generation, to do something and to help them with that. Um, so this definitely needs to be in 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 in, in education. It should be like um, not even an option. It should just be there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And just a side question. I know you mentioned you dropped that. Were you able to ever go back to finish your school in a different way or to kind of finish your goal out of furthering your education in a different way at all? So when I got out of the hospital um, after my suicide attempt, I had to make a decision what to do with my life. So I, you know, either could decide to try again or I could decide to live this life. But then I, I needed to have a plan. I needed to do something. Um, and I always wanted to go to a university. Um, as a little girl, I, w- I don't know why, but nobody in my family has gone to university and I always wanted to do that. So I thought, okay, well then I'm going to go to university, but I don't have a high school degree. How am I going to do it? So I worked really, really hard because I didn't have money either until I had enough money. And then I discovered that I could do a um, 21 plus exam. I didn't know about that. And I was 23 at that time. Um, and I did the exam and I got an eight out of 10 and I thought, wow, I can, I can actually do this. And I had saved the money and I thought, I'm just going to do the first year, just see how it goes. And then that went great. And then the second one and third one, then I got my master's. So, you know, it was just a rough start. And also I had to, um, uh, do it another way. It took me longer, but eventually I- I'm so glad that I, that I did that and I set myself a goal and I focused on that. And that definitely helped me to focus on what I want and not on what I don't want. Well, yeah, well, congratulations on that too. I think, you know, that's amazing. I know everyone has their own journey Mm -hmm. and, you know, you did the journey your way and, you know, you owned it and owned that experience. And so, Congratulations for you and, and your success in that lane as well. And also, again, just so glad that you're that you're here to tell your story, that you survived uh, and triumphed through that trauma to be here. And so, you know, going forward, right? What what 
tell me about the transition into acting, right? Like what, what has that been like for you? What are some of your highlights? What are some of your successes, your happiest time? But most importantly, before we even get there, just acting, pretending to be someone else. Like what's the, what's the correlation there for you? Why, why does that make you happy? <laughs> oh, good question. Well, I, I, I wanted to find out who I was. So after, you know, everything that happened, I thought, I didn't even know who I am. I need to start somewhere. So uh, for years, you know, I did, I did a lot of things. I, I started doing um, painting, portrait painting and drawing and graphic design. And then I got into commercials, doing commercials. And then I noticed that I loved being on set. So I thought, why not take it a step further? I did an acting class and the beautiful thing about that is I discovered so much about myself, but also the thing with me is I have very strong emotions. If people would describe me, they would use the word intense, <laughs> probably. Um, but I have very strong emotions. And I always saw it as a weakness because it would get me into trouble. I didn't know how to channel those emotions. And when I did this acting workshop, I had to do this scene. It was a solo scene and I'd never done any acting before. So I came in, I did the scene, it was improvisation and all these emotions came pouring out of me and they were so big, so huge. There were anger and there was sadness. And after my performance, all the other students were looking at me and the teacher said, so what do we think? And nobody said anything. And I, I thought, oh my, I did it again. I completely like scared everyone. I, I felt so hor horrible. And then suddenly somebody said, what the hell? Which meant a good thing. And then everybody started congratulating me on my performance. And I thought, oh Lord, I have actually found a channel for my emotions. So for me, it was, you know, turning what I thought was a weakness into my biggest strength. And acting is definitely what that does for me. It, it turns it into, into a big strength and people love it instead of the fact that I'm beating myself up about it. Um, so um, for me, myself, um, uh, that was such a revelation. And, you know, starting since I started this acting journey, it has brought me so much more getting to know myself, getting to know psychology, human behavior, telling stories, the power of telling a story, the power of reminding someone of who they are. I mean, it's, it's, it's so powerful. And I've noticed that stories can change the direction of people's lives. George can definitely change lives. And I've seen it, I've heard it, and I've experienced it myself. So um, that has become one of my missions in life that we, we need to tell stories. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I, I, as a fan of, you know, film and plays and uh, TV, I, I just, you know, I, uh, have a great respect for actors and I'm watching shows, the good ones. I'm like, oh man, you know, that's amazing acting. And some of the ones where I'm like, the acting isn't so good, but uh, you know, the, the, but uh, equally I appreciate the craft. So what are some of like your favorite type of characters? Like what, you know, what are some of the characters you love to play and, and what are some of the characters that maybe um, that you haven't had the opportunity to play, but you would like to? Ooh, I love to play uh, very complicated characters with a lot of layers. Um, mm. Love to play that because then you can also I mean human beings. We all have a backstory. We have so so many layers. So I really love to show that as well. 
Um, and um, I specialize in drama and action. I'm a, I'm a big drama queen. Um, so I love to go very, very deep with emotions. And um, I also have experience with martial arts. So I was thinking of a way to combine them. And now I do um, uh, films that, that combine drama and action. Absolutely love it. Um, and characters that I would love to play, you know, I, I just love telling, first of all, underdog stories, because I feel like those are my stories as well. I feel like, you know, going from the underdog to becoming the, the heroine, I kind of feel like, I hope at least that my life is heading that way. And I, I hope that other people's lives are also heading that way. And with films, you know, we, we, we get to not necessarily show how life is, but how it, how it should be. So we can tell a story and, and how we think it should be. And we can help someone, and this is then the main character, overcome their obstacles instead of getting stuck in their obstacles. And I think that is the beauty as well. And with that, we're reminding people of the fact that they also can overcome their obstacles and the possibilities. So I love that, but I'm getting carried away. <laughs> Oh no, no! I'm just no. I, I, I'm loving you. I want to see you get get um, you know passionate about. I got a few more questions about acting because you know it's something that I really enjoy you know watching myself and um, you know. Do you have plans? I know you're you're in the UK. Is it London? Is it what part of the UK are you in? It's London. Yeah, yeah. It's London. London. Okay, beautiful, beautiful. I got a few friends over there as well. So. Um, Obviously, you're successful. You're a working actress. You're living there. You're comfortable now. Any thoughts of obviously the you know the taboo thing when it comes to acting and actresses is that you know a lot of people, at least in the stateside, live in New York or live in LA um, to you know kind of get exposure in Hollywood, as it were. Right? Do you have any plans like if you want to further your career or perhaps moving over to the states for a little bit to try to get gigs over here, or are you just comfortable in kind of where you're at now? Oh, I would love to go to the States. Actually, the plan was to 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 go there for two months. I had booked a ticket, everything. And then um, we were hit by this pandemic. Um, so, but that was definitely the plan and still is the plan if I get the opportunity. The thing for me is that I just want to make great uh, films that tell very meaningful stories that can change people's lives. That's my main, and it doesn't matter where it is, but I feel like the bigger the productions, the the bigger the audience, uh, the more people you can reach. So that is the aim for me, but definitely because there are so many possibilities in the States. I would absolutely, absolutely love it to work there with people. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, hey, come on over. The yeah. U.S. We're friendly over here. <laughs> Lots of opportunities for you. I mean, definitely maybe starting with a, a visit, you know, maybe once the COVID continues to, I'm not sure what the restrictions are coming from the UK, but things are clearing up most, mostly here, pretty much domestic travel and things of that nature. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, we'd love to have you in the States here. Um, so, and and this is the last question regarding acting and I want to kind of go deep with it. And this might throw you for a loop. So, so buckle up, get ready. <laughs> one of my episodes, I uh, can't remember which one it was, but uh, the name of the episode, I can't remember the number, but the name was Go Go Hide, But We Won't See. Because in that episode, I kind of talked about the fact that people who deal with mental illnesses and struggles have been told to mask themselves, right? Um, I heard this weekend at this seminar, I was at that you know, the mask is heavy. 
you have to take the mask off and, and face the fear and run through the fire, so to speak. And so my question to you, because acting in a, in a sense is right, putting on a mask to be a different character, right? To, to you're pretending to be something else. You're telling stories. Um, you're, you're, you know, using your skills to bring something alive, which is an amazing talent. But for you, have you ever thought, is, is your passion with it to the point where like, Essentially, it's an escape from who you really are at the core in the sense of like, is acting a coping mechanism for you? Is acting a, a, a way for you to kind of take yourself out of who Raksha is <clears throat> as a person, as, as not a character versus the characters that you play, giving you an opportunity to put on a mask, be someone else. And in that moment, you don't have to worry about who you really are in the core. I know that's deep, so I'm going to stop and let you go at it. Uh, uh, I love it when it goes deep. So, uh, But the thing is, for me, this is interesting because I see it the other way around. I see acting as taking off a mask. So um, there, there's two ways to go. One is pretending to be someone else, but I see it a different way. I see it as in showing parts of yourself because I believe that every character is a part of myself. And what I need to do is to expose a part of myself that I keep hidden in the real world because I can walk around and, you know, um, show all me, my emotions everywhere. And um, I, we all have, you know, one character that we play in, in a certain situation when we're at home and then we're at work, we actually play a different character. So when it comes to playing characters, I feel like I have to expose a different part of myself. If I have to play someone who is um, very mean and very nasty in that behavior, that is something that I have inside of me. I don't expose it, um, but I have it inside of me, just like you have, just like everyone else have. We, we have. I have to insecure, insecure raksha inside of me. I have to mean raksha inside of me. I have the angry raksha inside of me. I have all those rakshas inside of me. I just don't show them. So I have to take the mask off, and basically um, expose that part of me that I actually don't want to expose half of the time because I don't want people to see me that way. But I do have to do that if I want to play that character. So I have to go there and see what is there, get to know myself really, really well, and then bring it out and then tell the story of the character. So um, yeah, that's it, it's interesting. Um, is it a coping mechanism going to that question? I It used to be because I could, with my emotions, what I told you, with I could I could express them, I could let them out. Um, but I think, am I attached to it? Yes, I think also. I, I would never want to let acting go. Um, does it help me cope? I'd have to say yes as well. Uh, but then in a way that I just said that it helps me get to know myself really, really well. It helps me to get to know myself um, as in what makes me angry, what makes me sad. Um, and in real life, I can actually do something with that, with those emotions. And also it comes back to emotional intelligence. I can choose the emotions because when I play a character, I have to choose how I'm going to react to um, a specific situation because the raksha I play in real life might, might react 
in an angry way, way to to certain um, situation, but the character I'm playing might not choose that emotion. So I have to specifically choose an emotion. And when it comes to emotional intelligence and coping in life, you know, we want to be proactive instead of the world coming at us and reacting to everything with our emotions. So what we want to learn, which is one of the life skills that I really want to teach as well, is that we have the freedom to choose how we respond to situations and acting helps me with that because I am practicing all the time to choose an emotion and then react with that emotion to a specific situation. Does this make sense, by the way? This is beautiful. I'm literally taking mental notes. This is, I, I, I set you up to get it, get into a deep dive of the craft because I think that, um, you know, for me, you know, how I cope because I, I, I bring that up to bring up because, you know, when we first connected, one of the ideas you gave me for a room on Clubhouse was, hey, how do people cope? What are coping mechanisms? And for me, I'm my best when I don't have to, when I get to take myself out of the element of my day to day, right? When I get it, whether it's pretending or just get away from all the stuff that weighs me down, all the things that trigger me and can just be something or anything else, that's when I'm my best mentally. And so, if I was an actor, I would see it a little bit different than you, but I, I, I appreciate how you see it because for me, I would look at it as a way just to get into something different and to be different. And the more time and energy I can give into that craft and perfecting that and being so good. Sometimes, you know, there's actors, they say they get too good, right? Like to their own demise, the character actors that, you know, starve themselves or really go in. I mean, you know, the Daniel Day Lewis's, right. And, mm. um, and uh, what's his name? Can't think of his name. The Joker. Uh, that the, the Joker. Can't think of his name. He's gone now, though. Uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Cannot think of it. Huh? Heath. Heath Ledger. Heath. Heath Ledger. Yeah. Heath Ledger. Yeah. People. Those are the, like when I think of character actors, and there's many more, but those are the couple that come out of my mind because they never did a whole lot of movies, like a vault. But the ones they come out with, like, are the ones and you can clearly see how they become that character. And so as a fan of theater, as a fan of art and all things creative, it's always interesting to watch that. And um, I know, unfortunately, some some actors do it too well. Um, you know, I think of Joaquin, speaking of the Joker, I think of Joaquin Phoenix in the movie The Joker. Like, <laughs> I mean, he just, or even um, the, the guy that played Freddie Mercury. Um, you know, there's just... yeah. I, I enjoy seeing people rob me my leg. Yeah, I, I enjoy people becoming characters, doing different voices and becoming someone different. But I've always wanted to ask the actor that, like, hey, how does that affect you overall? So, you know, you, you answered that beautifully. You really did. So, um, so thank you for that. But when it comes to coping mechanism, I think anything that helps, that, that allows you to put your full focus on it instead of putting your focus on destructive thoughts can be a coping mechanism. So acting in that way is a coping mechanism. I'm working on a character right now for a film I'm shooting in November and it, it absorbs me completely, which makes me, you know, focus on, on this, like everything from accent work to um, figuring out who this character is. And it keeps me away from any, you know, um, destructive thoughts I may have. I love that. I love that. And you, I'm so glad that you are happy 
in your acting space and in your roles and that you're working and staying busy. And I think that's something good overall to when we talk about coping and dealing with mental health to stay busy. I think when we get idle, when we, when we're twiddling our thumbs, it gives us more time for idle thoughts, negative thoughts for that depression to creep in those suicidal ideology to creep in. And they're going to be there regardless for people like us, nevertheless, staying busy, staying active, doing something, being around people, at least for me, I know, um, helps me to stay in the right direction. So kudos to you for everything that you're doing. And, and speaking of that, you know, acting isn't the only thing that you do, right? You um, are also a, I want to get this right. You are a certified, uh, let's make sure I get this right. You are a certified life and leadership coach, right? So talk to me about that. Talk to me how that came about, why that's a passion for you. And, um, you know, how do you help your clients each day? Yes, yes. I'm very excited about this um, because I've always been interested in personal development for over 10 years, um, trying to figure out what this life is about, trying to figure out what I'm about. Um, and um, it's, it's, you know, diving into personal development. The first book that changed my life, it literally changed my life, was um, uh, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. And I remember reading that, um, a friend gave it to me and I re read that and it basically said that you can, can take control of your life. You have the power to design your life. And the thing, because nobody in my environment was talking about personal development, I, I never even considered that, that I was in control of my life and I could just design it the way I wanted to. Um, so when I decided to do that, made that conscious decision, everything in my life completely changed. Everything changed. Um, so since then, personal development ha has become a very big part of my life. And um, also because I'm such a nerd, I, I love <laughs> I love things like that in communication. And as I said, emotional intelligence, neuroscience, um, understanding human behavior. So during the pandemic, because there wasn't there weren't any productions going on when it came to acting. And I thought, what how can I still live up to my potential, even though there's a lockdown, I can't go outside, I can't do anything. And I thought I, I need to do something with this passion for personal development. So I um I started coaching um and I started training as well. Absolutely fell in love with it. And um yeah, so now I can actually help other people overcome their obstacles and getting to know themselves. Everything that I have done so far, I can help other people with. And I'm really, really happy with that. And I have different clients. Everybody comes for something different. Um, they have a goal, but there are many obstacles along the way or they don't know how to set a goal. They don't have a plan. They get anxious because they don't have a plan. And, and it's up to me to you know, help them set goals they want to achieve, goals they believe in, which are part of their dreams, craft a plan, raise their awareness of what, what might get in the way, uh, raise their awareness of their strengths and their potential and overcoming those obstacles and then achieving their goal. And it's it's amazing to see the progress. I, I coach a client for, I think we were working together for eight weeks and how she came in and she was dealing with depression and how she came out with this glow on her face, completely different, more positive, and that just makes my day. It just makes my life. Yeah, I think it's beautiful. 
Yes. And um, before we started talking, the audience heard, you know, your bio from your own words, from your website. And, you know, on that website, it, it tells us that you a beautiful website, by the way, whoever helped you design that or if that was just all you. It's it's great. It's so user friendly, mobile friendly. Um, it's just eye popping. It's just some great information in there. You you highlight that you, you specialize in confidence, mindset, self empowerment, positive change. Right. And um, I, I just I just love mindfulness and journey. I think that is something that doesn't get talked about enough in the mental health space, right? In the mental, you know, my podcast is the Mental Wealth Podcast. Obviously, we talk about mental health here, but I believe that your mind is an investment. You have to invest time, energy, and resources into your mind to fulfill it, just like you went into your house, your car, anything that you own or that you cherish, your mind is that much more important for you to invest into and to be mindful. Because um, if you're not mindful, if you're not aware of what you need, you're going to suffer and you're going to stay in that suffering. And so there's nothing wrong for those who, who dealt with and dealing with mental illnesses and, and, and struggles, but trying to find that breakthrough, trying to find that journey to wellness so that we don't just stay in that sadness. I know it's a struggle for me. It's easier said than done. It's a struggle for all of us to, to be okay, but trying to at least bridge ourselves over into something different. And it starts with being mindful and uh, willingly and intentionally doing things that heal us, that um, that change our thoughts, that change our processes, that changes um, our mindset, right? And so, again, I, I think you're doing great work. Where, where can they find you? Where can they uh, connect with you um, for your coaching and, and your social media, all that good stuff as well? Oh, yeah. So my my brand new website, RakshaHousedCoaching.com. Um, and then I also regularly post on my uh, Instagram um, also these, these little um, short reels in which I um, hope to add value and give knowledge about little things that you can do to change that mindset. Because I believe you know, it's, 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 it's a learning process and the process needs small changes because small changes can have such a big impact. Um, so with these reels, I hope to add some value and uh, some exercises as well to do for yourself. Yes. Yes. You guys definitely reach out to Mr. Raksha. Huh? Come on, come on. Give it up to me. Give it up to me. Come on. I'm rolling my R's. Come on. Come on. <laughs> um, no, y'all definitely reach out to Miss Hostia because she is amazing and so happy to have you on the platform. I'll get you out of here on this. What's um what's one thing that you one final thought that you want to leave? Any particularly, I know your passion is for you mentioned earlier in the episode about you know these teenage girls committing suicide at an alarming rate. We know men commit suicide at an alarming rate as well. We know people of color, particularly black men of color, are more likely to commit suicide. There's just so many struggles um, in the mental health space, many people dealing with things. And each day we see news articles. We see, I saw something in a school in North Carolina where they shut down the campus because there was a suicide. And right after, like hours later, an, an attempted suicide and they closed the campus down. These are things that are truly happening in the community. And, um, you know, so just what's one thing that you'd want to share with someone out there listening right now, struggling to get by, struggling to wonder if they have a why, if they have a reason to stay here. Just what, what would you say to them? What, what, what do you what do you want to leave the audience with? Ooh, I would want to leave the audience with. I want to leave the audience with. 
find someone to talk to because that is so, so, so important. Um, and also that you are not the only one, even though you might think you're the only one, you're definitely not the only one. Um, and finding someone to talk to, it might not be in your own environment. And I know because there was no one in my environment I could talk to. And that will be a journey, but please take that journey because eventually something, someone is going to listen and that will be the right person. And also for people in that environment, you know, when it comes to suicide, um, the thing that suicide survivors say is that if only one person had asked them if they were okay or how they were doing, then they wouldn't have attempted suicide. It takes just one person to notice you and just to say, listen, are you okay? How are you coping today? How are you feeling? And that is so, so, so important. So if you have someone in your environment and you're worried about them, please ask that question. Please give them the opportunity to open up. Wow. That, that was absolutely beautiful. Um, that hit home for me. That hit home. That's something I really have talked about a lot on these episodes. I've done episodes just about suicide in general, but, you know, it's um, other episodes where we've touched on it. But uh, it starts with just genuinely caring about someone, genuinely reaching out, asking how they're feeling, checking in with them. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll share with you briefly that, you know, one of the episodes I did on suicide, I remember one of the listeners that I know personally reached out and said that it was a really, really great episode because it made them want to check on a friend of theirs. Mm. And that's the goal, right? I, I think, you know, when we, we, you know, my platform might be podcasting, your, your platform is your artwork, your social media, your coaching website, right? But if we can just save one person, if we can move and motivate someone who might not even deal with mental health, maybe they're fine or, you know, none of us are fully fine, but maybe they're just an advocate. They're listening for educational reasons to help someone they love. They hear something and they, you know, you know what, um, Justin and Raksha, you know, they said, yo, I want to, I want to go, ch- I want to go check on someone. Mm-hmm. And maybe that them going to check on someone would save a life. So we can save a life vicariously through someone else. Right. And I, and, and then multiply that and pay it forward and pay it forward again. Mm-hmm. And so where we change the narrative, we change the discussion, we change the stigma and we create change. We become the change we want to see. And then that's when there's no longer mental health awareness. We're done with just being aware of what the issues are. Now it's time to take action, intentionally take action, do something different, change the narrative and play our part. And I think that you're doing a beautiful, beautiful job, Ms. Raksha. And I'm so honored to have had you on the podcast today. Mm, thank you so much for having me. Team listeners out there, the Mental Wealth Podcast, heard in 25 plus countries. Uh, please make sure you follow Ms. Raksha, a host on Instagram at R-A-K-S-H-A dot H-O-O-S-T on IG. And make sure you tap in with her website as well. Raksha host, host excuse me, uh, the two O's in there, R-A-K-S-H-A. Uh, H-O-O-S-T coaching.com life and personal leadership coach, Ms. Raksha host, as well as an amazing actress, actress. Thank you so much, Raksha for joining until next time. This is the mental wealth podcast. Oh my goodness. Great, great, amazing conversation with my friend Raksha host. 
coming all the way from London, man, thank you so much again, uh, my friend, for making time for us to listen to your story. I think it was amazing. I think many people are going to resonate with you and reach out to you because you just had so many things that you shared. And I'll share briefly that, you know, off off mic, um, I share with, you know, Raksha afterward that the question I asked her pertaining to, you know, acting and masking um, was first for a reason, because I won't deep dive here. But if you listen to some of the earlier episodes where it was all about me, um, I talk about, you know, with my trauma and this is part of my journey right now facing this trauma. A lot of people who know me in real life know that I have this personality where, you know, I can light up a room. I can joke, laugh, make fun, do these weird impressions and voices and characters. And um, when I was younger, I wanted to be an actor. I saw myself potentially on TV. I saw myself with the talent to, you know, be on TV potentially one day and to, um, you know, have a career that type of way, comedian, whatever have you. And that persona came from being bullied, being teased. I figured, hey, look, if I can just make them laugh with me, then they're not laughing at me. And so I saw acting as a way that let me play a hundred different characters because then I never have to be myself, right? I can be a character, I can be a character, flashback to episode three. But, you know, that was how I dealt with my trauma. That was how I dealt with some of the things that I was going through um, by just creating these characters. And so acting and being someone else for me was therapeutic because it it was almost like a protection. It was like a wall that I was putting up to protect myself from, from danger, to protect myself from what hurts me the most. And so she saw a little differently and that's great. And I, I enjoyed it. But that was something we talked about off mic that that was a little bit more about me and, and why um, why I am the way I am. And I think it's important in my transparency in this podcast to talk about some of those things. And so let me get you guys out of here on a couple of different things here um, that I would love to love, love to share with you all. First, let's go over quickly, quickly, because I know this has been a long episode. If you got to this point, thank you so much. Again, coming back from that break and coming back from all the things I learned, I did not want to shortchange you guys. Wanted to give you plenty, but trust me, next week it'll be a usual, you know, 40, 50 minute, you know, average of an episode. But this one had to be a little bit longer to give you guys some meat and potatoes. But hopefully you walk away, um, you know, full and learning something, certainly. So gaslighting and disagreements. Now, what's the difference, right? So disagreements are healthy and necessary in relationships. This means you're working through things to build a stronger relationship. When where gaslighting is a form of abuse, is when when it's not someone just disagreeing with you, but they're making you feel a way about how you feel. And 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 the best way to kind of explain this, right, is to give you some examples. And this comes from uh, mental health advocates on Instagram. So gaslighting versus disagreement. So if someone's gaslighting you, they manipulate you into questioning your reality and your sanity. If they disagree, they're seeing things differently, but they recognize and respect your perspective. Interesting. Another example, gaslighting. They present opinions as facts and the only correct way to look at things. So they present opinions as facts. Someone disagrees with you, they're open to learning about your perspective. Gaslighting. 
They shut down the conversation and blame you for getting too emotional to handle it. If someone disagrees, they notice things are getting heated and suggest taking a break to cool down. Gaslighting. They attack your perspective and blame you. If they disagree, they're able to agree to disagree. And finally, one last example of gaslighting. The goal is to make you question your sanity. The disagreement would be the goal is to come to an agreement to have their perspective seen. So they're not going to question and say that you're crazy. They just want to make sure that you know as a friend or a family member or loved one that they have a different perspective. So there's a difference. I think that's important too, right? And friendships on both ends, right? Whether you're the person potentially being gaslit or not, right? To understand that a true friend is not going to always agree with you. A true friend is not going to always see things the way you see them. You shouldn't want yes men in your corner. You should want people who are willing to be honest with you and tell you things that sometimes you don't want to hear or you're not prepared to hear. That's life. If you have a bunch of friends that agree with you all the time and always tell you what you want to hear, they really aren't your friends. So real friends do disagree. But we have to be careful on the flip side as that friend who disagrees. How do you communicate that? Right. Are you going to agree to disagree or are you going to gaslight them and make them feel crazy for having a different opinion? Right. Are you going to twist the facts and 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 and, and gaslight them or are you going to just simply disagree with them respectfully while still supporting them? Because when it comes down to it, a true friend. Right. If someone's truly your friend, they may not always agree with your decision making. They may not always agree with what you decide to do. But a true friend will always stick beside you, right? Like they may look at a situation, they say, look, you know what? I wouldn't have done it that way. Maybe I don't even understand that you made this decision. But you know what? If I truly love you and you're making this decision because you believe it's the best for you, I'm going to support you. See, gaslighting would be seeing someone make a decision that you don't agree with or that you think is wrong and then making them feel bad for making that decision. If you're truly their loved one and truly their friend, you're going to support them, even if you disagree and let it play out. And even if it plays out, to not being in their favor, you're not going to come back and make them feel less than for making a decision that you thought was wrong in the first place. And so these are just some basic principles to share when it comes to friendship, right? And hopefully, you know, these things come home. These are things I try to apply within my relationships and friendships. And hopefully you guys pick up something from it as well. And finally, three powerful tools for mental health. This is from Nadja Zebian. Number one, catch yourself when you're abandoning yourself to be validated, accepted, or loved by others. Redirect and ask, what is the most self-loving thing I can do in this situation? Number two, don't believe everything your mind tells you. When you catch yourself in a negative thought pattern, redirect and ask, is this true? If so, is it helpful to think about it? And third, make self-forgiveness a daily practice. Stop living in the past. When you catch yourself judging yourself, redirect and affirm, I forgive my past self and I choose not to rob my present self of this moment. So three powerful tools for mental health. Guys, this has been a great episode. I've really have enjoyed coming back to this episode, particularly sharing some insights, sharing some gems, a little bit more about me. And just know we got some really, really amazing things to come. It's only up from here. We're going to continue to grow this thing, continue to grow our audience. So again, as always, subscribe, like, review, share with a friend. We thank you so much for, for being a part of the podcast. And my new way to end this thing is, my name is Justin Little, host of the Mental Wealth Podcast. I hear you. I see you. I feel you.
Never give it up. Save me. 